Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Unfriend Me, and you can support it by going to patreon.com slash unfriend me. That's right, fan-supported show right here, right now. That's patreon.com slash unfriend me. The Electoral College is an outdated system that's robbed two rightful winners from their spot in the White House. Why do we just have a rock, paper, scissors match? For all the sense it makes. <laughs> oh yeah, well that what's better, letting California determine the outcome and I can't talk. Yours was too good. <laughs> Let's do that again. Oh yeah, well what's better, letting California determine the outcome of every election ever and screwing over the folks in the sticks? No way, coastal elite. Oh yeah, well if you defend the electoral college, then on. All right, now this week I did it. I made sure the cameras were on us while we did our dumb parts, and that might have thrown me. <laughs> also, just a little. I think I wrote mine wrong. I think I think I agree with you in the end. <laughs> Oh yeah, you kind of changed positions halfway. Your flip flopper. Yeah, you know, that. listen, it's not really the, uh, the 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 positioning that matters. It's really the screaming, yeah. like most Facebook arguments. Yeah, we're not actually taking sides here, folks. We are just here to have some fun and learn more about today's subject here on Unfriend Me. I'm Scott Johnson with Justin Robert Young, and this is the episode about the Electoral College. Before we dive into that, though. Uh, Hi and welcome, and thanks for being here. And we should probably talk about what happened last week. I don't even remember. Was this the one about uh, doing well, it? Well, it's it's technically two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, we are we we obviously it's it's not going to work for us to do Infinity War. Oh right, that's why this stuff. is throwing me. That's it. Because we did yeah. Infinity War last week. That's it. Okay. Yeah. We called an audible and did Infinity War last week, but. Uh, that's uh, not something that we can really have emails on, right? Because it's like sure. you can't just tell people, hey, uh, spoilers for the first five minutes and then start tuning back in, right? right. You just, you just got to gotta roll with it. So uh, we're talking about what we talked about two weeks ago, which was polyamoring. Oh, that's right. Doing it. And let's get right into it. Uh, Jason wrote, this isn't meant to be insulting, famous last words. But I feel like people who are comfortable with Polly don't share, quote unquote, that kind of bond with their original partner. Sometimes it's a reflection on the original relationship that the bond is weak on the uh, onto the hard questions. Is there a chance that many poly relationships are between two people who share a strong bond, turn romantic, and then later down the road, their flame burned out? Naturally, they develop flames for other people because their sexual drives never stopped. Uh, and they still deeply care about each other as friends. Uh, when it's not about the original relationship, then to me it's about the individuals who just happen to be poly overall. Some people are more individualistic and want relationships and romance, but don't fit a lifelong, intense, one-on-one -on -one thing. Mm. On the other end, some people are highly social who also uh, want that, but want it with many other people and aren't bothered if their partners do it too. Kind of like a roommate you had in your 20s, who didn't look at that life as a phase like the rest of you all did. That's mm, a good point. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to tell us that, though, and that's the problem. I mean, everybody, if you live with somebody long enough, you're, you're certainly going to have those times or moments where you're like, oh, it's the same scenery <laughs> or whatever. I can't think of a nice way of putting it. But you've got 
you know, yeah. you got what you're used to. And so some people are going to go, hmm, wonder what's outside my walled garden. And those who keep things together yet expand what they're able to do. I mean, I still have zero judgment for it, but I'll bet there are some cases where this is exactly as, as this emailer is describing. So uh, I, I think he's he has a point. But then again, I just don't know who's going to tell us this. This seems like something that's hard to fess up to. So. Well, I, I also think that you're kind of having two different arguments because the, the poly crowd will say, hey, look, it's not to say that these things don't happen, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say that, that that this is not an accurate summation of some people's lives. Right. The the conversation that they want to have is, can a poly relationship succeed? And they would make the argument, yes, and it's not defined by a failure of a heterosexual relationship. Right. And I and that's that's okay with me. That like that's perfectly fine explanation. I guess what he's what he's describing might just be part of the process, and at the end of the process, they have a solution. So maybe that's all we're talking about is poly folk have found a solution. Yeah, I mean, like I think that the the proving of a failed relationship does not define the ability to uh, draw the circle around a successful relationship, right? No I, matter what it is. I agree, and I would like to make this joke. Uh, I should say this comment, whether it's a joke or not, is to be determined. Uh-huh. But. Uh, this discussion about polyamory had a higher poly count than the new God of War for the PlayStation 4. Anyway, moving on. Look at that. Dan the Lawyer says, he's the lawyer man, Dan Dan the Lawyer man. The yeah. checklist Justin uh, read, I think, is key. It is likely a practice check or practical checklist for a lot of life choices slash marriage itself, having kids with someone, etc. In my experience, polyamory is an avenue taken by couples in trouble, not stable couples, often those already on the cusp of divorce. And it goes by other names like, quote, taking a break or, quote, spicing things up. Uh, when that fails and the problems deepen, they become uh, they come to my office. He's the lawyer, man. Yeah. I would not lay an inevitable divorce such a, uh, after such an experiment as evidence to anything other than it will not fix an, an, al- an already strained or broken marriage or other kind of relationship. Just call it the last domino to fall. I sincerely hope there are many relationships that do satisfy the criteria just enlisted. And also where one or both is interested in a romantic relationship with other people. And if my wife is listening today, we tick off all the boxes and I'm not going anywhere. It's your turn to cook dinner, says Dan, the lawyer man. Hmm. Jeff writes on the Unfriend Me episode uh, on Polly. uh, uh, He wanted to comment. Oh, this is before we did the episode. I've been part of an ethical non-monogamous partnership since 1988. Me and my OG partner were high school sweethearts, had an open relationship through college, got married for insurance, and then joined a poly community about seven years ago. Right now, I have two other partners outside of my wife, and she has two other partners as well. Those relationships range from six years to as recent as last year. The one thing I've found is the, uh, that the most amazing thing about poly is the amount of emotional support and self-growth that it promotes. Uh, Yeah, and also, you know, don't doubt the the the, uh, the 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 importance of having other people of like mind in a community that can help uh, be there for you and be your support. I think there's some value in that. Jeff, another Jeff, totally different Jeff wrote. Totally I, different Jeff. Yeah. He says, I just finished the book Sex at Dawn. The week of the polyamory show came out. That's when he finished it. I didn't agree or din did not. I think he meant did. He yeah. put a D-I-N. I didn't agree. He's a... <laughs> He's uh, Scottish. I I didn't agree. I didn't agree with everything, and the writers certainly have their critics, but I found it to be a thought-provoking argument. The key point they make is that we were hunter-gatherers way longer than we were farmers. Agriculture led to the nuclear family. 
of dad tending to crops and mom and the kids processing the food. This leads to the view that the women and children, while vital to survival, they are essentially property. Hence the commandment, you shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your, na- cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's like a New World translation, not the old uh, King James version. But anyway, which puts the female on par with the house and the ox and the property. Hunt, uh, hunter-gatherers are open relationship or poly, so we are essentially fighting against our nature to have monogamy. Interesting argument. I, In general, uh, although I do find that they have a value in a discussion, I tend to tune out whenever we get into arguing about our hard coding as yeah. humans and our, our hunter-gatherer versus uh, a, a farmer kind of stuff, because... In some instances, it it tends to get into really dicey situations when we start talking about, you know, our Nordic ancestry or whatever. Like, you know, you see that a lot with uh, racist uh, uh, arguments. It just, I feel like there's more to learn about what we're doing now. No matter what the worth of our hard coding is, there's more to learn about what we're doing now and how we want to shape the world than where we came from. It's also an easy way to obfuscate responsibility for some people and i'm not saying this is what's happening with his email i just mean in general if you're explaining behavior or thoughts or whatever away as well that's just the way i was built it's how we're all built we've been like this since cavemen there's nothing you can do about it is is a is a weenie's way out in a in a modern era it's like well no just be a human being when you leave a youtube comment like you don't need to go back to whether or not you're like sorry is my crow magnet instinct to call you a cuck Right. My ancestors would smile upon me this day as I referred yeah. to you as another social justice warrior as some sort of cuck. Anyway. Ralph, this was my favorite email. Being poly is not uncommon in parts of the Rocky Horror Picture Show community. Mm. The Rocky Horror Picture Show community has always been a safe space for all sorts of transgressives. We have quite the panoply of lifestyles, orientations, kinks, and even vanilla folks represented in any given cast around the country and the world. That's all well and good, but eventually you learn that there is a downside to Polly. Social planning. After my brief attempt at being Polly and realizing that I am happy with one special someone, trying to go out and have fun with my castmate friends who are Polly takes on planning like a chess grandmaster. Friends A and B aren't down to go catch the latest Marvel movie with us because it's A's couples weekend with C and B and C don't get along. D and E, meanwhile, are spending the weekend in because D has been spending a lot of time with F lately. (laughs) And then at the cast party, it's super awkward because half the attendees are dating each other and not interacting with everyone else. (laughs) Heaven forbid you incur the wrath of one person in the cluster. This was my favorite email that was began great and got even better because I guarantee you that every single one of these profile folks that emailed in Hopefully we did our best to represent your community and not be too cheap shoddy. Yeah. But this has got to be an issue. Yeah. Like it's an issue with just one-on-one monogamous couples where all of a sudden, you know, the wives don't get along or the wives and the husband don't get along. And now you can't go see it. I can only imagine that those very human understandable issues are only magnified when the web gets more complicated. <laughs> yeah. Right. I completely agree. And it's not only, I mean, it's my favorite email of the poly uh, emails it might be my favorite email of the entire show there's a there's so, an honesty here that i really appreciate and we encourage this sort of uh 
uh, feedback on the show. Unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. But what if they write a big long one, Justin? What if it's like nine pages and 20 paragraphs and all annotated with uh, sub notes and stuff? What are you going to do with that email? I'm going to personally re-edit it so you're arguing against the point that you're making and I'll use your full name. And if you accidentally put your phone number, I'm going to say that too. (laughs) Do me a favor. Do me a favor and just write things that we can read because people get upset when that segment goes too long. You're helping me help yourself. Unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Keep it recite it and if you're like man that's long then then maybe don't send it no these are good life skills show at gmail.com yeah good yeah. life show show uh, skills is what i meant uh so do that all right today scott becomes re-educated now let me give you a little background on this when i was growing right. up i was bored to tears with anything political if it was a class about how politics work how we elect officials uh, how uh, uh, you know different articles in the constitution affect that how you get impeached all those things Completely boring to me. Zero interest growing up. Unlike Justin, who is a, a grand lifelong student of, of uh, the, pol- uh, the political world. As political scientist <laughs> in the making, I am not that guy. So when we had classes on how the electoral college works, which still flummoxes many people today, I should probably count myself among the flummoxed. So I'm excited about this because you're going to set me straight and put me on the, on the path. Uh, where do you want to start? How do we begin? Well, Scott, like we do for all topics, we begin with the definition. The Electoral College is a process, not a place, which is a great way to start this conversation. The Founding Fathers established it in the Constitution as a compromise between the election of the president by vote in Congress and the election of the president by a popular vote of qualified citizens. The Electoral College process consists of the selection of the electors the meeting of the electors where they vote for the president and vice president and the counting of the electoral college votes by Congress. The electoral college consists of 583 electors. The majority of the 270 electoral votes is required to elect the president. Your state's entitled allotment of electors equals the number of members in its congressional delegation, one for each member of the house of representatives plus two for your senators. I for whatever reason, didn't realize that that's how 538 came to be. Like I always knew the number 538, but I didn't realize it was it was the addition of uh, uh, the House of Representatives plus the hundred in the Senate. Yeah, if you're not following that podcast, that website, the 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 g- data geniuses over there. What's his name that runs it? Uh, Nate. Oh, Nate Silver. I wasn't Nate even thinking of the website, but yeah, no, no, the yeah. Oh, course. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 538, uh, uh, great, great, great work. Great podcast, by the way, too. Yeah, it's really good. Um, but anyway, that, that'll help make sense with some of this stuff. But I didn't either. I had no idea that that, that number was derived from that. Um, you know, it's like, I don't know, 420 or give me the 411, right? <laughs> Are you just saying famous numbers? I don't know. You know, sometimes you don't know. Someone goes, happy 420, man. Well, and no, if- no, no, no. Also, you, those are not the same thing because you know what? If, if if I tell you, hey, man, give me the 411 on the Vegas weekend, you're going to like, that's a direct reference to the fact that you I, used to. Can you still dial 411? I think you still can. I think so. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a thing. 420 yeah. is. It, 420 is nobody knows. There's only popular rumor as to what 420 means. Right. And there are some who oh, take credit and whatever. No means. Uh, uh, nobody 
knows where the origins of it were. Yeah, smoke weed every day. But here's the thing. I don't, I don't, or don't do that. I'm not, I'm not advocating it. What I'm saying is 538, if a 411, if you came up to me and said, uh, and I said, hey, Justin, I went to Vegas last week, and he went, give me the 411, and I didn't know what a 411 is, I wouldn't know what that is. Now, if you said, give me the 411 on Vegas, my brain would go beep, boop, bop, and I would have it. I would, I would assemble the pieces and know what you meant. But 538, that's even more obscure. Who the hell knows what that is? But now we do. And so does everyone listening. Wait, hold on. Did you not know that that the website 538 was named after the number of electoral college votes? Not until yesterday. No, I had no idea. And I listened so, to that uh, podcast. So before reading, before reading the research on this, uh, uh, you had no idea that that's why it was called 538. No, I didn't know where the number came. And I never got curious enough to dig. I'm sure I would have found out immediately if I had just done that, like looked at their wiki or something. But instead, yeah. I just listen to the show. Uh, Nate talks. People talk. They say things. They tweet a lot. I follow that. I look at charts. Yeah. I never once had any idea where the 538 came from. And I should have known it was By the way, I miss, I miss Harry Anton. Let, let's just, we're going to do a little mini fan podcast for, yeah. for the 538 podcast. Yeah, let's do it. I feel like, I, feel like uh, I, I need an, either another Harry Anton podcast or uh, uh, something else. So, pour, so there we pour go. Pour one out for Harry. Pour one out for Harry. He's yeah. at CNN now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who are these electors, Scott? Uh, okay. So my understanding is, I'll tell you what I think it is, and then you tell me. Go. Yeah. It's, uh, okay. So in your local little area there, let's say here, um, there's a, uh, they have a little uh, space where a bunch of people go. By the way, number one here, pause it for two seconds. Yeah. I want everybody to close their eyes unless you're driving. <laughs> uh, and just imagine that Scott has been called to the front of the class to give his presentation <laughs> on the uh, electoral college, and he has done zero research. It's, All right, it's now seventh, go ahead. It's seventh grade. I have an unexpected boner. I have to walk up to the front of the class. Uh, he hands me chalk, and now i got to write all this down. And, uh, okay, here we go. A <laughs> bunch of people get together uh, locally, and they uh, pick delegates. Uh, those delegates can be a lady up the road who's super politically active. All in favor, say aye. It's passed. Uh, Francine McGillicuddy up the road is now our delegate from uh, the county of whatever. Uh, she then uh, uh, does some stuff, and then they go... <laughs> <laughs> they they go to the the uh the, to the state legislature and they cast a vote and say yo we're totally down with trump or hillary whatever it was uh or if it's local stuff but mostly the trump or hillary like the presidential stuff and then uh and then they go to washington and go bing 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 guess what or they don't even have to do that they just call somebody on the phone and go all right all four of us went for uh trump because we don't know what else to do with our lives and then they go, all right, see four for Utah. Thanks. And and that's the end of it. That's all I know. <laughs> okay. So you're wrong on several different <laughs> levels. Uh, probably the key element to it is the idea that you named what those are. Yeah. Delegates. Yeah. Delegates are not electors. Okay. They just take Delegate. the message. They bring the word, right? No, no, no. Delegates are for the party. To determine their nominee. Okay. Electors are there to certify effectively the vote. So here's basically where the Electoral College gets kind of weird. All right. Is that the compromise that we've come up with has effectively marginalized the electors. They were there initially. Well, here, let's just go ahead and read. In All each right. presidential election year, a group of candidates 
for electors are nominated by political parties and other groupings in the state, usually at state party conventions or at the state party committee. It is these elector, elector candidates rather than the presidential and vice presidential nominees for whom the people vote in the November elections, which is held on Tuesday after the first Monday in November. In most states, voters cast a single vote for their slate of electors pledged to the party's presidential and vice presidential candidates of their choice. The slate winning the most popular votes is elected. This is known as a winner-take-all or general ticket system. So the concept was that we would have a pool of people that would be educated, understand what was really going on, that you could hedge your bet against a wild candidate getting in via the popular vote. Right, right. But mm -hmm. something that stops short of a parliamentary system mm -hmm. where you don't vote for your leadership, you vote for the party, the party creates the leadership. Right. So right. that system would get us, you know, uh, you, you would you see how, like, reviled people like Nancy Pelosi or Paul Ryan are. Yeah. They are leadership as selected by party. Yeah. So we want something different in a system that rewarded an executive branch more power. And so that's how the Electoral College was born. Right. So if you vote or if, you, uh, if you're the head of the Labor Party in the UK, uh, and even if you win, oftentimes you are the target of all the hate. Like, that's just the way it is. Whoever's head of the party, it's worse than being a president or a candidate. It's just rough. According well, to my just, UK friends. It's just different. You know, yeah. uh, 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 it's a little bit more insular. Uh, sure. The, the the issues are are slightly less uh, in in the direct hands of the people, and and the reason why this has kind of become sort of the forgotten element of our system is that the only thing that really matters, yeah. like the electors don't go against what the vote was, right? Right. right. Nor will they just change who they uh, uh, who they're going to support. I mean, they they're, can, they're, but they, they don't. Have they... To be a dumb pipe. Right. Between uh, uh, what people state by state vote. What has stayed around is the idea that you have to win X amount of states to get X amount of electors. And that leads us to our modern issues. Arguments between the proponents and, op and opponents of the uh, uh, current electoral system include four separate but related topics. Indirect election. Disproportionate voting power of some states the winner-take-all distribution method, and federalism. Arguments against the Electoral College in a common discussion focus mostly on the allocation of the voting power among the states. Gary Bue's research of uh, congressional debates and proposed constitutional amendments to abolish the Electoral College reveal reform opponents have often appealed to traditional versions of representation, whereas reform advocates have tended to reference a more democratic view. So, let me let me uh, of these four indirect election, disproportionate voting power by some states, the winner take all distribution method and federalism. Which of those four stick in your craw more than the other? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know. Um, probably probably disproportionate voting power by some states. I think that's kind of a trick question because the other four or the other three are a little bit wonky. So indirect election is that. You're not actually voting for the president. This, you know, dumb pipe that you are to commanding to vote is actually doing the vote. Yeah. The winner take all method. So there's no way that if somebody is competitive in California that they can get some credit for it. Everything goes to the winner. 
uh, uh, and then federalism is obviously just a larger argument. But I, can I bring swing states? Swing states are the issue. All right, let me bring up one issue here before we move to swing states, and that's this. Yeah, this drives me crazy. If you're one of these people watching the show right now, and you want no one else. <laughs> If you are one of these people, I apologize for what I'm about to say, or maybe I don't. But when I when I or somebody else says, listen, guys, we live in a democracy. We're trying to work. And then you get interrupted by somebody. Excuse me. Excuse me. We're actually a republic, a representative. I want to kick those people so hard in a single testicle as to ruin their day. I hate it. I hate it. It's a form of democracy. It's like saying. Oh, look at my beautiful dog. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That's a Doberman Pinscher. That's a that's a, a kind it's, of dog. Uh, it's so pedantic. I it's hate stupid. it. Freaking hate and it. If, if right. you find yourself saying that sentence, I would greatly encourage you to attempt to spin kick yourself. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but I, I would like to see you try. I might try it just once. But anyway, quit doing that, everyone. It sucks and it's lame and I hate it. We can't have a good conversation if you're going to be all pedantic about it and just go down that road. I hate it. All right. Anyway, swing states. Tell me what a swing. It's not swing Florida's a swing state, is, not just because it's a giant penis shaped state. It's actually a swing state. Go. It is. It is. I'm from a swing state. A uh, uh, full disclosure, my fandom of politics was born out of the 2000 election. Right. The 2000 election was my uh, uh, the first time that I really and this was the entire like the, the from the primary on and then the ending, of course, being not only a total crap show, but a total crap show that was literally in my backyard. My science teacher in high school would was a volunteer one of the volunteers to count hanging chads oh my gosh whether or not uh uh there would be a presidency of bush or gore going forward that's so cool i love that it is because of stuff like that that makes people upset about swing states uh millions of votes in safe states end up being quote unquote wasted is the argument at least in terms of the presidential race uh, because it makes no difference whether clinton uh, Hillary Clinton or any candidate would win California. Uh, so here is an example from the last election, California by 4 million votes, 4,000 votes or 40 votes in any scenario, she would get 55 electors. Meanwhile, in states like Florida and Ohio, the power to tip the outcome just because they happen to be closely divided politically. Now, this is the essential argument of the electoral college, right? Do you believe that the ever shifting focus and the strategic idea that you can cobble together 270 uh, electoral votes by however you want to do your math is a feature or a bug <laughs> well it, it's increasingly a a bug in the way that if you have let's, let's use the software reference you got a website with an exploit you ran the website for 10 years and the exploit wasn't a problem because there was nothing to exploit but as soon as you could start to exploit it, you got to go, mm, maybe we should change that code because it's starting to be exploitable. Um, when this was all set up, there weren't airplanes. There wasn't mass transit. There certainly wasn't the Internet. There weren't all these factors that go into us being connected all the time. It was frontier time. People are spread all over the place. Uh, there's no great technology to count votes to do any of that stuff. So, so things are different enough now that I think this would at least be looked at. The problem is if you're California – and they change and they keep it the way it is, then you feel uh, diminished. 
your vote doesn't count as much because even though you got this huge population and a total way more popular votes for somebody, you're still being limited to those 55 electors regardless. And there's nothing you can do about it. So you feel like your vote didn't count in, a, in an election where, where things didn't go your way. Done. Con conversely, if you're somebody in Ohio or in some small farm town in, uh, I don't know where, wherever, Illinois, and you are no longer a swing state, in other words, you only get to count the popular votes and that's it, then you feel diminished because just because you happen to live and maybe love living in a small population state, California got to eat your lunch. And that's not fair to them. So I see both sides of that. Like both sides of that are kind of glaring and, and difficult. Well, here's so here's here's the argument. If we had a population based system, so just a popular vote, would all of the issues talked about? Because no matter what, there's only X amount of time that a candidate gets to talk. Right. There's only X amount of messages that they're going to push. Right. Will there ever be messages that aren't tailored specifically to New York and California and maybe Texas, right? right. Where, where, because all politics are local, right? That's an old saying. I think it's a truism. It's if you are going to try to hit the biggest population centers because that's all that matters, then you're going to have a presidential debate that has a question about the broken subway system in New York City, right? Right now, on the other hand. Because states like Ohio and even New Hampshire have gigantic opioid epidemics right now, and they're very, very important states, you have on a national stage a local issue like that, but one that would probably not get mentioned much if states like California and New York, which have the issue but aren't quite as acute as some of those other states, uh, were the ones that you wanted to serve. So is that good or bad is the question. The fact that uh, uh, that candidates have an ever-changing and shifting menu of issues they can tackle because they got to put these puzzle pieces together. Right. I mean, the, the, okay, so I'm just putting myself in the space, the headspace of what, it would, what would happen if it was purely popular vote. Yeah. What, what would happen is the focus would completely change about election process. The uh, the campaigns and all the lead-up would spend all their time in big population coastal cities, or even those that aren't coastal, but they would spend spend time in the, in the population centers of this country, and they would stop spending any time in rural America at all. Yeah. And not even not-so-rural America, just America that's kind of average in terms of population. Um, because... Getting California, as the propeller heads often said, get California. If you get California, that's a great song. They should still be making music. Anyway, that <laughs> would be a big deal. You probably win the election. Well, Hillary Clinton would have won the election. Now, it's I hate when people kind of bring that up because it speaks to this thing you mentioned, which is that isn't how we do it. If it was how we do it, who knows what the results would be? Because, again, the campaign would be completely different, right? Yeah, I think you said that this morning on TMS, not here, actually. That was a really good point, I thought. So I don't like to say that or whenever somebody brings yeah. that up, it just feels dumb to say it because, well, woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, 2020, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? 
Well, people, I mean, look, the, 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 the team that passes for the most yards doesn't always win a football game. Right. The team that takes the most shots doesn't always win a hockey game. Right. Like, it is a good indicator. It is often a leading indicator. It's often a correct indicator. It is not always, you know, the it's not the rules. The rules are points. Yeah. And in, in this case, the points are electors. Right. So part of me from, again, my rudimentary understanding of all of it, wants to keep the electoral college because... I think it makes sense for a country that's a little bit dispersed. You know, we're, we're, we're in chunks and we're spread out and there's lots of empty space. And I think if this was one big mega city, like the, you know, the future of, uh, I don't know, where LA and, and Detroit are all one giant city and we're flying over it in cars named and our names are Deckard. Uh, then <laughs> that's different. You know, there's, you can create a different scenario, but because we're so spread out, I like the idea that you have to go, to not just some Americans, but a lot of different kinds of Americans. Even that's limited because, you know, you don't see them out there at, at some states at all. They don't go to certain states at all during the election. But some of them they spend a ton of time with because, again, they're either swing states or they're important states uh, for the win. You always hear about the Carolinas. You always hear about Ohio. You always hear about Iowa. You hear about Florida. New York, and, you know, New York usually doesn't play a role. California, I don't think Trump set a foot in there, did he? Maybe he did. I don't know. Uh, no, I think he went there, uh, uh, but it was it was a big it was like a thing. It was in Southern California, and uh, there there are Republican strongholds in California. Certainly, the <laughs> in fact most of California that isn't Los Angeles and San Francisco is fairly deeply red. Yeah, uh, it has a lot more in common with uh, uh, some of the the you know Nevada and stuff like that, which is at this point a very purple state. Right. So, but my my point being. I get the advantages of that making that possible, but what I think I would I wish we were more open to. Nobody wants to do this because it swings it could swing in somebody else's favor. So I understand it's like rezoning, but just every once in a while look at it and go, all right, it's a little uneven right now. Maybe we need to do this or that or the other thing, or maybe we need to. Maybe Puerto Rico should be a state. Maybe California should be split in two. I'm not saying these are all pretty drastic measures, but. I'm just saying I wish we were we would look at it more instead of looking at it like some kind of biblical commandment that is just the interpretation is only one and we're done with with the electoral college. There's tweaks that can be made without losing its advantages, I think. Uh, again, if you ask me to detail those too much, I'd probably go and stare into space. But I, I, I just feel like, like a lot of things, if we were just a little more fluid with stuff and quit pretending that there are absolutes in our governmental systems, we could make changes for the better. That's all. The only absolutes right. is that there are no absolutes. I guess I, I guess I, 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 I lost your larger point though. Like, so, so are you, is this for or against? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I see both sides. I don't know. This is a both sides now problem. I don't know. I can't. Well, would you have, I mean, would you feel if everything was in one big pot, would you feel like your vote mattered more? Oh yeah, for sure. I would. Of course I would. Yeah, like my my vote would matter way more and we'd have better turnout, I think, for voting if everyone felt like their vote mattered more. And it would matter more in a purely popular vote style democracy. Cast your ballot. Let's see who wins. Um, just pure numbers. There's something kind of cool about that. But I understand. I mean, I personally wish Trump hadn't been elected. I didn't like Hillary either, but I really didn't like Trump. So it would have been nice in that case if maybe the popular vote would have done what it needed to do. But I understand that you can't just, I mean, that's just because this time I didn't like the guy. Like next time, maybe I like the guy and I would be like, oh, no, let California have more votes than they're getting. The 55 is fine. Like, 
That's the problem is because this stuff is so steeply cut in the middle and everybody's like tribes up. If you make yeah. changes, everybody loses their mind. And they, and they'll lose their mind just as hard when it's their turn to lose their mind. And and Well, I mean that's that's the other thing is that this will be this would be something that would take a tremendous amount of effort to reveal to the point where it probably won't happen. Yeah, but yeah. you want to know what? Let's hear what you guys have to say. 801-285-9395. Again, that is 801-285-9395. Do me a favor. Put it in your phone right now. You're probably sitting there at the DMV waiting to be called. Now's the time to do it. 801-285-9395. Put it in as unfriend me. Whenever you're listening to this show live, go ahead and give us an old ring-a-ding-ding, and you can be part of the show. (laughs) That's right. If you hate the way the system works now, tell us why. If you think it's okay, also let us know why. As you guys know, I've said on the show before, one of the things that I have learned to accept with politics is that this is never about some sort of utopian end game. Yeah. Uh, the end game is the constant battle for equilibrium and whatever that is. And however we get there, that's a fight worth having and we're always having it and it's okay to have it. And some of this uh, has sunk in even more for me lately. Cause I have been uh, as some people listening to my other shows know, I've been on a bit of a, of a news fast, or I should say it this way. I'm not staying uninformed about actual news. I'm avoiding periphery. I'm avoiding opinion. I'm avoiding that kind of stuff. And I'm avoiding clickbait and anything to do with any sort of shocking anything. I'm just staying away from it. uh, Despite how actually shocking it might actually be, it's helping me with my own mental health. And so as a result, I think I've had a more even um, keel approach to issues like the ones we're talking about today. Or at least I feel like I'm, I'm able to have a clearer head about it. Man, it is hard to have a clear head when there are people screaming at the top of their lungs that we're all dying right now. Yeah, yeah. No, if I went in, if I went and un- if I unmuted a bunch of people that I muted a couple of weeks ago that are, don't worry, it's not fans and stuff, it's just media types. If I went and unme- unmuted those people right now, it would be a nightmarish screen-filling hellhole. I don't think I'm ready for that in my life. Uh, hi, you're on the air. You're a first caller. Who's this? Oh, hi. We didn't get your name. What was Hello. your name? Uh, Bagheera. Oh, Bagheera. Hey, man, what's going on? What's on your mind? Well, the thing that really uh, upset me about the Electrical College, Electoral College in uh, this most recent election was that um, part of the point of the whole system is that uh, we want to avoid uh, letting someone who's uh, not fit to be president as president. Right. And I think that in this last election, there were many times and many examples where he made himself unfit to be president and they failed at not allowing him to become president. There was one person in Texas, I believe that abstained and just refused to take part, but he was replaced by someone else who allowed it to go through. So, right. But isn't that, um, isn't that part of the risks? Isn't that, isn't that part of the risk we have to sort of accept? And and, I, and I'm not, I don't d- necessarily disagree. I think he's unfit as hell no, to be president. I think he's a big giant piece of shit. But but if, but if, hear me if out. Like if point, I if, if I point of the, or go ahead, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. No, because I don't I don't think you're. If the point, if part of the point of the electoral college is to, the the whole reason for it, if you go back in the history, was that we need this to make sure that the dumb popu- populace does not 
elect someone who is unfit or, uh, you know, insane. So we have to have those electoral college to protect against that. Well, was, they was it though? Like Justin, what do you what do you say to that? Was that our was yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, so so part of part of the hedge against a popular direct election was that the the framers were afraid, and now this is you know. This is where we get into tricky subjects. Goes back to the Federalist Papers and things like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is where this is where we get into tricky issues, though, because this is an argument where, all right, well, back then the voting numbers were not as high. The idea that somebody could just sweep in and totally change what was going on uh, seemed like a far more realistic threat than it does, it, even in a system like this where you have. Uh, uh, so many more people and so much more that has uh, come along. However, that is correct. The, the, the fear was that less than stellar or regressive leadership would take hold if the unwashed masses were allowed to decide for themselves. Right. No, yeah. I get no. it. Pro- protect the country from tyrants, uh, all that stuff. I, I, he's, he makes a good point. But to say that they failed implies that the system was perfect and would catch and has all fail safes in place. And that's not possible. So not with this system anyway. If you want that, then you're no, talking but this, but this is this is an argument that's brought up a lot. Right. Right? Like like that that okay, well, if anybody was going to be unfit, right, it would be Trump. Now, there are arguments to be made uh, uh, uh for a lot of different people, uh, including, you know, somebody like like Dwight Eisenhower who was tremendously popular and won two terms, but if the argument would be, oh, okay, well, we're going to let a military guy, like, how, how different is this than a coup, right? Uh, granted, the first president was was a, a general, but now that we are uh, a well into a, a well-founded democracy, uh, uh, why are we going to allow what would, you know, otherwise make us a banana republic, right? Right. right. Uh, uh, to, to have a military person step right into the Oval Office. Right. So that is an issue where the the line of, okay, well, what is unfit? Right. Then then you start getting into, well, if the general populace does not agree with a smaller population that think he's unfit, then they didn't fail in their job. They think they succeeded in their job. See, this is where it gets screwy. And and, and my point is that it actually just goes back to my original point. We're fighting for equilibrium. We're not fighting for perfection. We're not going to find it. And if we do anything with this election, it's maybe learn a whole bunch of shit and we don't screw up next time. I don't know. Like sometimes the, the sting of the experience itself is enough to make change. I do want to address a, a, a tadpler real quick. The, the Meslava, I don't know, I think that's how you say it, says even as a Canadian, regardless of your politics, calling the president a giant piece of shit is just stupid and childish. I would like to make a correction. I didn't say, I didn't call the president a giant piece of shit. I said, <laughs> I think he's a giant piece of shit. That's different. I'm not calling him anything. I'm telling you what I think. You can tell me what you think. If you think he's a great man and a positive influence and a hell of a guy, that's great. You tell me that. But I can also turn to you and say, I think, meaning me, my brain thinks he's a giant piece of shit. And I, I mean, st- look, I just spent the last hour trying to uh, do a mega mix with Don Blankenship and Motel 6 ads. So... I am obviously somebody who enjoys the sillier side of our political system. Uh, I am all for name calling, uh, uh, but it is childish. Sure. Like, like, yeah. 
like, I, I don't think it's stupid. I think it's valid. It's valid criticism, but it's definitely like our right to be able to call names. Well, yeah, no, if you want to know how I feel, yeah. What am I going to, I mean, yes, I can go deeper and go, well, I believe all these policies are jacked and here's the reason this is a problem, sure. yeah. but I'm summing it up in a way you can all understand it. Scott, I, me thinks that president Donald J. Trump is a giant piece of shit. Ding. Yes. Done. That's it. All right. Let's get on with it. Uh, <laughs> keep your calls coming in. Um, I mean, done because you wanted to defend it, right? Yeah, like, no. if it was done, it was just done. Like, well, no, I, by defending it, I, there's nothing to defend. I just want to make clarification that I'm not telling anyone else how to think. I'm not calling him. I'm not on the phone going, you're a big piece of shit. I'm saying this is how I feel. <laughs> I feel this way. If you were on the phone with President Trump, what would you say? Oh, my gosh. All right. Ring, ring. Let's do a scenario here. Um, All right. Let's hear. Here's here's what it's small business appreciation week. And uh, uh, you get a call from the White House because they want to recognize the growth of Internet media to show that new media is where it's at. And all these fake news, old media people are are old and busted and they're they're falling out and they call you because they know that you are uh, speaking to uh, a very important demographic to uh, uh, the, the American populace uh, and, and you are invited and you get a call from the president yeah. and he says, uh, uh, Scott, oh, we're, we're very excited to have you here at the White House. Uh, so am I, I'm at the White House now? Am I physically there? No, no, no you're getting a call. You're, I'm you're, getting, you're, okay. You have to agree. Okay, the I'm president's on. calling you directly. To ask you oh, this is going to be him, not some of his people. This is directly from President no. Donald J. Trump. No, president, he likes to do things. He's a, he's a hands-on guy. He's like, I want to call all, all the podcasters. I want to call Scott. I want to call the serial lady. I want to call uh, uh, Mark Marin. everybody. I'm calling them all. <laughs> all right, I'm on the phone. Uh, click hello. Okay, now you be Trump. What are you going to say to me? Hi, I Scott. Uh, I'm the president. I, uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of your shuffling of papers. Frog pants shows. Uh, uh, we, we were very excited to invite you to the White House. Um, I would say, oh, uh, this is unexpected. Uh, when? Tomorrow. All right, it's, I'll get on a plane. Do I need to talk to and anybody? No, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna fly you out. I'm gonna have my 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 uh, person uh, make sure everything's okay. Yeah. And I'd say, first of all, in my head, this whole time I'm thinking it's a friend pr pranking me. First of all. But just in case it's not, okay. I'm going to say, I'll say, all right, well, I'll get out there. I think this is an important I issue. Know and what I, you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. This is a prank. Do me a favor. Go to Twitter and uh, and check my account right now. And you see, lo and behold, a tweet that says uh, a selfie on the phone in, in the in the Oval Office. Just talking to my good friend at Scott Johnson. Oh, wow. Look at this. You, it's confirmed. OK, well, that's that's great. I, I am uh, very much looking forward to coming to. Uh, the White House and to speak about small business in a new media era and how it can be done and how individuals are strong. Uh, I think that'd be great. Now, is it okay that part of my speech will be about how your particular tax cuts kind of jacked a little bit uh, with LLCs and people that are single proprietorships and stuff? Is that all right if I bring that up in that? Well, have venue? somebody uh, uh, make sure that uh, everything, uh, you can say whatever you want, but obviously there'll be time restrictions. So we'll, we'll, we'll just have somebody uh, look over to make sure that Everything is is themed correctly. All right, sweet. And is there food, or should I prepare any? Plenty of food. Okay. Here. All right. All right. Well, that sounds great. I appreciate the uh, the invite. I guess I'll see you tomorrow. Click. Okay. Wait. Uh, he call. He calls back. 
Ring, ring. Hey, Scott. Yes, sorry. Did I hang up too soon? Sorry. What's up? No, it's the president again. Yeah. Hold on. So I just wanted to, I was wondering, you know, I was somebody sent me a clip of your show and said that uh, you called me a big piece of shit. I just wanted to know why you were such a fake fraud <laughs> that you couldn't say it to my face, fraud. Oh, I don't mind you saying it to your face. Fraud. I don't, I don't. I'm the president, <laughs> goddammit. You can't tell me to my face and I'm a big piece of shit. Huh? Huh? You want to get my free flight? You want to eat my food? You want to deal with my uh, the White House? But no, no. When the president gets on the line, you can't call me a big piece of shit now, huh? Oh, I'm it's happy. Like, I'm happy. No, he hangs up. Oh, and I don't have a way to call him back, do I? No, you can't. Either. All right. Well, then I guess I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably about how it would go. Um, <laughs> would would I still be going? Do I, I do I still get on the plane? I guess one of his people would call me. You want to keep playing out this improv exercise? Yes. No. You get your tickets in your email the next day. All right. And then when and I, you're you're flying, you're flying that day, and you're in business class. <laughs> oh my gosh! My wife just brought me a McDouble from McDonald's. This is perfect timing. You have no idea why. We were just talking about <laughs> we were just talking about Donald Trump, and he loves his McDonald's. So thank you, babe. That's awesome. Anyway, uh, all right, that was fun. We should do more role playing to kind of put we ourselves. Should do more role playing where the president calls uh, Scott. <laughs> the best part of it is just you being Justin. It's not any other kind of voice. You're not faking no. it. It's just you basically being Justin. No, he... that's my best Donald Trump impression. All right, I only have I have one better Donald Trump impression, and it's, "Hey, look at me! I'm the president." What do you think the hold music is? If I had if I had to be on hold waiting for the president to get on, if you had to guess, uh, what, what would you uh, say? Big time by <laughs> Phil Collins. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think it's, it's that. All right. And it's just the chorus on a loop. Okay. I was going to say, uh, I was going to even have some handy, and now I can't find it. Either uh, that or the Million Dollar Man's theme from the WWF back right. in the day. I like that, too. That's pretty good. All right. Uh, still taking your calls here at 801-285-9395. That's I think we're finding out that people didn't want to talk about the Electoral College in school, <laughs> nor do they want to talk about it on our show. It's entirely not possible. About like, all right, we're, uh, dude, message received, guys. We're going right back to uh, the dirty shit because that's all that... Anybody really cares? It's Infinity War, and like nobody's here for a history lesson. Nobody's no. here for some pedantic nonsense. No. I got it. All right, there we go. Heroin next week on the show. Yeah, heroin. Is it good? Find out next week on. Un oh, we got a call. Somebody felt the Sorry, pressure. Peter Gabriel, not Phil Collins. Sorry, guys. That's all right. You were close. Uh, hi, you are on the air. Who are we talking to here? Hey, it's James from Same Sex Mary. Oh my gosh, James hey! from Same Sex Mary. <laughs> Dude, you hey. guys were so great a couple weeks ago. It was freaking fantastic, and I haven't said this enough, but if I'm ever sitting in another Marvel movie, I hope it's next to James because, dude, you were cracking me up. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it was great. I had a great time. It was I, fun. I can't wait to hear your yeah, thoughts so, on this. You're a you're an active uh, political guy in your own little sphere. What do you uh, think of all this? Yeah. Well, so, you know, coming from the, uh, the great state of Nevada, um, obviously the Electoral College is uh, quite helpful for somebody like us. We're only... We're only six points, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things. That, you know, they have to talk about the issues, you know, Nevada issues. If they come and they want to win Nevada, especially it being so, uh, such a swing state, it's not a lot of points again. But, you know, they have to talk. Yucca Mountain's always a big thing, you know. 
Heller is saying he's, he's going to vote, you know, vote against anything on Yucca Mountain. Everybody has to be against Yucca Mountain. And so anybody uh, who, who says otherwise, not that there aren't some supporters in Nevada, mm-hmm. but anybody uh, for Yucca Mountain, anybody who says otherwise, you know, is going to is going to lose that is, is going to lose that vote for Nevada. So it definitely helps push. And for anybody who doesn't know, Yucca Mountain is the uh, nuclear repository site where they want to dump all of the uh, leftover nuclear waste in Nevada. Is that a done deal? Is that a long time thing that they've been fighting? Like how long has that been an no. issue? So I think like back in the 80s, I mean, the whole the whole thing is built. That's the crazy thing. It's, it's you know, they spent billions of dollars building this giant repository uh, to send all of the all of the waste there. But, you know, studies and everything, there's it's built over a fault line. There's plenty of reasons not to. But it's kind of, uh, you know, up until this point, it's kind of been a done deal with with everything. But, you know, you know, things are changing and it keeps getting brought back up. You know, there's little grumblings of it right now. There's uh I know, so uh, uh, oh. the project was approved yeah. in 2002, uh, but federal funding for the site ended in 2011 under Obama. Mm. Right. So it, yeah. is, it is it is an, an environmental swing issue and one that is very, very important to uh, Nevada and Nevada voters, uh, specifically since Nevada is an important swing state for Democrats. Uh, you heard a lot about Hillary Clinton's and Obama's Western Wall, that there was a blue wall of of states that uh, would never go and that would basically usher in there was a lot of thought uh, prior to the 2016 election that Democrats were just going to have a an electoral college advantage in perpetuity as yeah. long as the current trends kind of held and Nevada being a swing state that was trending blue along with issues like this which is an environmental one, one that obviously speaks more to liberals than it does to conservatives traditionally right uh was a big uh, a big a big thing and so that's why this issue you you had official statements from hillary clinton and donald trump about yucca mountain where normally it would not be something that a presidential campaign would talk about. so did was trump for or against the james was he for or against the yucca mountain uh, reactivation or or use do you know you know i i i i, I couldn't tell you I, I to be honest i couldn't tell you he kind of he, you know, he kind of said a lot of. He also made a big point of pronouncing it Nevada, even though I think he was trying to say that it's pronounced Nevada. Oh, but you know, so I, I, I couldn't really tell you. Uh, 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 President really tell Trump you what has ceased uh, uh, the deep borehole and other non-Yucca Mountain waste deposit research activities. Uh, the Department of uh, Energy has requested 120 million, and the NRC has requested 30 million from Congress to continue licensing activities for Yucca Mountain. Yeah, uh, but the repository uh, has requested a lot of money. So basically, there's there's no uh, Do- Donald Trump has not made this a swing issue. issue. Yeah, sounds like right. It. And if right. they built it on a fault, what the hell was that about, man? That's dumb. So yeah, it, that, yeah, I think there. You know, there's there was a bunch of different sites. It's the one that ended up getting picked, and then you know, I just think it's never. You know. Everybody doesn't want it in their backyard, and it just kind of ended up in ours. And so I think it's it's one of those things. Like I said, not that there's not supporters of it out here because jobs and and all that sort of stuff. But right, uh, right. there's it's a big thing, you know, the idea of them wanting to dump nuclear waste. You know, even whether you're, uh, you know, Republican, Democrat, you know, left or right, you know, it's kind of it kind of irks a lot of people. So I think yeah. if anybody were to push 
push that through, it, I think they would ultimately lose running on that. Sure. So. Yeah. Utah's had a bunch of the stuff too with the where to put waste and us fighting not having it here or even having it travel through here. So I totally get that. But here's my idea. Here's what you do. Every American, all 340 million, however we are now, you're required now as a citizen of this fine country to keep one barrel of nuclear waste in your backyard under, under uh, you know, in a shed or whatever, and you're in charge of keeping that safe. That should be how we do it. If we want to really freak everybody out and have everyone suddenly be uh, anti-proliferation, uh, I think that's the way you do it. Everyone gets their own barrel of glowing green uh, <laughs> cancer soup, and they got to keep it in the backyard somewhere. Boom. Well, that's, that's effectively what, what uh, uh, we are saying to nuclear plants right, right now. Right, Is that, they, that without a central repository, you are keeping indefinitely the nuclear waste on your site right. in concrete casts. Right, 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 right. But I do think it's interesting. Oh, I lost him. Uh, I think it's interesting that we have a, uh, you know, the, here's an example of swing state, you know, politics that could totally turn the tide in Nevada specifically. If somebody- well, and, and, and Nevada, Nevada was and is a, a great example uh, uh, because you would think and historically uh, uh, Nevada and Utah share a tremendous amount of uh, uh, shared kind of politics. And yet Utah is something that is deeply read, even to the point where, uh, you know, it is uh, even when they don't agree with the Republican candidate, they're looking for another conservative to vote for. Yeah. Uh, whereas Nevada is increasingly purple, you know, and, and in 2016 went blue. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, this is Chase from Arkansas. Hello, Chase from Arkansas. It's good to hear somebody from that part of the country today. This is perfect. What's going on? Yeah, so you're telling me that if we switch to a popular vote system that Arkansas is going to lose all of its influence in national politics. That, yeah, see, this was what I was saying earlier. If suddenly, this is the problem. If we take this away, people in California will be stoked. People in New York will be stoked. But people in Arkansas will suddenly be irrelevant. And that's no good. Right. They'll the, the presidential candidates will never come back to the state of Arkansas. They'll never spend any time in our state or campaign here or talk uh, about I'm being sarcastic, if you can't tell. No. <laughs> we don't get presidential candidates here in the first place. Right, right, right. No, well, I mean, look, they don't they care don't about they don't care about Utah that much either, although both campaigned here last time because there were some weird Utah – there were some smells of revolt happening here, which usually doesn't happen. But, um, but yeah, no, like, like they already don't – they already ignore the places they can, and they only go the places where it matters. So we already kind of have that problem. You're right. But we don't want to make it worse necessarily. I mean, the, the, the last presidential candidate that cared about Arkansas was Bill Clinton. Yeah, because he was from there. Because he was from here, and it was like, oh, I got to have my home state. But other than that, no one. I mean, there's probably like a flight plan to go around states like Arkansas. <laughs> uh, it matters so very little, you know, uh, to get to states and, and cities that are much larger. Right. Uh, I just don't. I don't. When people make the point that. States like mine just won't have the political influence that they currently have because the Electoral College. I just don't see that argument panning out because well, we right, already so, don't, and there are several other states that don't. Right. But let me let me let me make this argument for you. That was not always the case. I've been doing a lot of research for my uh, a, a podcast that I'm I'm going to be doing about the 1960 election, and that I mean traditionally leading up to uh, uh, 1960s, 
the Democratic Party was very, very strong in the South. And that was a fork in the road moment where Southern states uh, uh, were either going to be pandered to by Nixon, uh, uh, but were charmed by LBJ to stay in the Democratic column that eventually kind of went the other way. So it was a, a big part of how you got elected then. It's just not now. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But I, the, the problem is I don't see people immigrating back to Arkansas anytime <laughs> soon to make us any kind of relevant. Well, again. I guess that, that, that's that's the thing is that it's not it's not about people leaving or coming. Right. Yeah. It, it's about what the voters believe in and, and where political voting opinions yeah. uh, diverge. I don't think that we're at a point now where it will stay in stasis forever. If you look at these maps, which I am, uh, there are. You know, tremendous changes here. And and uh, these are Democratic and Republican parties that we now think of as liberal and conservative. But that has not always been the case. Uh, uh, you know, and, and if a, a party has an ability to appeal to Arkansas voters, then Arkansas will become an important piece of the puzzle. But you're damn right that right now nobody thinks that any that anything in Arkansas is going to be any different than it has been for many, many years. Yeah. I don't think you guys right. are going to be changing. Do you think it would be, do you think it would be any better though? Like if we, not only we switched from an electoral college system into a popular vote system, but that we got rid of first past the post and looked at it like a ranked voting system to like allow constituents to further diversify and not feel like they're beholden to the two party system that I think would make it easier for larger cities to sort of always be the top influencer of presidential candidates, whereas like a, a ranked system would allow candidates from the other half of America that does live in rural areas uh, to be of great influence by, you know, some third party candidate or something like that that was only popular outside those cities right. that took up all those extra votes as the so, third party uh, candidate for that I'm, reason. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna stop you not because the question isn't good. I think it's probably better for a should we have you know, should we should we be encouraging something beyond a, a non two party system? But let me go back to something. So you mentioned, listen, the last candidate to care about Arkansas was Bill Clinton, and he won Arkansas in 1992 and 1996. Uh, he won a lot of states that Democrats don't even try for these days. So my question then is, is this the system or is this a lack of creativity and or a will to reach out from candidates like have have has politics in general and presidential politics specifically gotten so uncreative that it has created a disconnection between the populace that they don't even try to mend anymore because it's not that long ago. 1996 wasn't that long ago. And Bill Clinton won states like Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, and Louisiana. And specifically Missouri, uh, Arkansas, and Louisiana, you probably wouldn't even get much, much of a, a visit from uh, a Barack Obama or a Hillary Clinton. Right. Well, I mean that Arkansas is a bad example, though, right? Because it's his state, so there's a lot of sure. But but look, listen. Uh, 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 Al Gore was a senator from Tennessee, and he didn't win Tennessee. Nah, that's a good point. Yeah. There's there's no guarantee there. Uh, you have point. to be popular there. You have to know how to speak to voters there. How about this? Everyone who is on both, so you would have had Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and that other guy that was there for five minutes. What was his name on the Democratic side? Can't remember. Anyway, uh, oh, for a hot uh, second, he was in there from Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, that guy. So you take those three because that's all they could muster over there, and then you take the six or seven that we had on the Republican side, 
and you have all of them sit down in a big arena and you have a political test administered and who gets the best test is the next freaking president. We've already primaried them in. So some sort of like, you know, even if it's down just to the two, the two that are primaried in. I got it. I got it. American Ninja Warrior. Okay. We just have all do that big old obstacle course and we'll see who can get up that vertical wall fast enough. Maybe it's just a random, like, you know, for the pinball championships, they don't tell you what machines you're going to play on. It's randomly selected. Sure. So maybe just whatever reality shows we pull out of the hat, you have to do the competitions and we find out who wins. Yeah, and you can't have... You why, not the, why not the price is right? President's by Plinko. <laughs> it's, in, it's in there. It's in it's in the hat. We, you don't know. Is it going to be Plinko? Like, is it is it going to be the showcase showdown? We don't know. We don't know. I kind of like this. It just can't be feats of strength because I don't think that's fair. You have uh, inherent physical gender issues or differences, or you might have a one-off where it's like uh, Ronda Rousey runs one year and kills everybody. Like, you can't. Sure. I don't think you can do that. But I think you can have some sort. And I would prefer it to be a testing that tests their uh, their leadership fortitude and understanding of things like, oh, I don't know, Bill of Rights, Constitution, Declaration of Independence, uh, how things work. I think testing them on that and giving it to the one who knows the most is not a bad idea. You've already done all the other vetting. You've had your other fights. You've had all your other disagreements and issues. Now you have them in a place where all you're waiting for is a final vote. Instead of doing that, let's see who actually knows their shit. Right? Can I, can I give you my meta, my, my, my inception hot take on this always that's what the electoral college is (laughs) that's what our presidential race is like what other on the job training do you have but an intensely high stakes winner take all one false move and you're dead how do you recover from a disaster leadership the leadership that either uh, gets stronger as the pressure gets higher or wilts as the as the pressure gets higher then what we have right now, a complicated, over, uh, you know, overcooked situation where you have to do things that might not make literal sense, but you have to get done to secure the prize. Is that not a practical test of leadership? It is. It is uh, from a uh, who can stand the heat sort of perspective. And, I, and I'm not I think you're not wrong. I think you can establish that, though, though, through. Uh, primaries through working yourself through doing debates. Those are all also refiners fires in the way you're describing it. I'm just saying the whole thing, the whole thing. I'm saying the whole kit and caboodle, the ridiculous parade of having people fake argue on stage in front of cameras and having uh, people have to beg for money and like $400 a plate dinners and bartering for how many thousands of dollars will you donate? If I take a picture with your stupid daughter, like all that, all the things that really are politics are actual on the job training for what the job really is. Cause the job really, you can't just say, all right, uh, uh, Russia just blocked one of our military vessels. Please take this test and figure out what the right thing to do is. Okay. It's about leadership. Then at the end, you have a, do- a winner takes all sort of double or nothing moment where you've done all you've said. That's all the way through the electoral college vote and a winner is declared, but there's one last thing. And they both have to stand in two soundproof rooms so they can't hear each other or read anyone's lips or anything else. And they have to each recite the Pledge of Allegiance and sing the first verse and stanza of the national anthem. Whoever gets it the most correct stays. The other one loses. (laughs) I would say exactly that. 
but replace the song with the international players anthem by Outkast and UGK. <laughs> On that note, which couldn't be more perfect, we're going to end this uh, this here show. Um, interesting discussion. I'll bet you we get a ton of emails. This one got weird, by the way. It got real weird. <laughs> but it got weird. It got real weird, and I'm guessing we're going to get some weird emails. I'm just sure of it. I'm 100% I think sure so of this. Too. Hey, by the way, if you are a patron, I know we've been bad about this. We're good about it now. Uh, part of what you signed up for when uh, you decided to support us, we're, we're getting further reading on this. And so we are sending out the full doc that we make uh, uh, the the, uh, the the show out of. So right. you're going to get stuff from archives.gov, uh, history.com, uh, Wikipedia, Vox, uh, all the stuff that we use to make the discussion you will have to read for yourself and educate yourself further on it. Yes, uh, so that's coming. Watch for those. Some's got already gone out. You'll get more. You probably didn't get any for uh, Avengers because that was a one-off. So don't be weirded yeah. out by that. There's no real research. Well, and also it's like there wasn't any. Uh, the, the, it's the movie. So what do you want to do? Like <laughs> yeah. a torrent? Like yeah, there's nothing you can do. It's fine. Uh, but anyway, yes, what Justin said is all true. Here's what you need to do in the meantime. Patreon.com slash uh, TMS. <laughs> Patreon.com slash unfriend me. That's patreon.com slash unfriend me. That's where you can go and support the show. And imagine like a buck an episode. That's super cheap and really good. And you guys should do that. That's a great way to spend your money, your hard-earned cash. Uh, and it helps yeah. us continue to make the show great, to grow it, to do cool stuff. So please go do that. Again, that's patreon.com slash unfriend me. Justin, how do they get a hold of us in the intervening week? Well, you can hit us up at unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Again, unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. I, loud and clear, guys. Next week, legalizing drugs. <laughs> I know you all got opinions on legalizing drugs. We're going to legalize all the drugs next week. I'm going to be high on heroin. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask. Do I have to be, do we have Call to be? in next yeah. week. Put right. the number in your phone now, 801 801- 285-9395 and all the callers will have to begin their calls with hey gerbs how's the heroin treating you <laughs> i love it uh 1 p.m mountain time is when we record this show live so you can be a part of the discussion and send your call calls in in real time that's every tuesday 1 p.m mountain 12 p.m pacific 3 p.m eastern and you can find all of us at frogpants.com just click on the unfriend me link and you are there that's gonna do it for us for me for justin Mm-hmm. For electoral delegates everywhere. Yeah. We'll see. No, electors. electors. Sorry, electors <laughs> everywhere. Electors. We'll see you next time. Bye, unfriends. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>